god, oh, I have god. nothing this week for you. <laughs> That's okay, because it's Thursday, it's hard. I it had payroll hard. this week, so, you know. The struggle is real. The struggle is really real. Yeah, I actually picked up Talia at the airport on Friday, and that was a struggle. I realized that I'm super blind. Like, real blind. I was looking at the billboard, and they have all the... They had the billboard with all the flights coming in, bright light. I sat there and squinted. Oh, there we go. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like, why can't I hear a bit? Usually, like, usually I can I'm really so hear a bit. <laughs> so, I'm squinting at this billboard and I'm like looking at it. I squint to actually for the words to focus. Right. And I'm like, holy shit! How am I driving home? I'm picking up these kids um, from the airport. It was a struggle. What time? What time? Ten thirty at night. Oh, that's. Tali- Tali was well, we're getting old, so ten thirty at night is way past our bed. No, I don't have my- <laughs> Yes. Uh huh. Sure. Hey guys. Hi. By the way, this is Tipsy Tales. I'm Yvette. I'm Alma. Hi. Hi. So picking up Talia, she lost her luggage. Struggle. She was super upset. Thank God for phones, though, because I seriously was able to track it in, like, three minutes flat. And I'm like, it's coming in tomorrow. We got this baby. Really, the most exciting thing that happened to me this week was I smashed my toe. Oh, and I've been, no. <laughs> I've been limping around all week, and that's nothing new, because that's happened before. <laughs> Several times. Oh, my God. I will never forget coming back from Have a Soup High, and you kept mentioning kicking rocks, and then you showed me your toes. Oh, no. That, the worst part of that is that my toes were so tender and bruised up from kicking rocks. <laughs> I don't know how to walk. I'm, I'm 40-something years old, and I still haven't figured out how to pick my feet up when I'm walking. <laughs> it's like gravity is just pulling us down. And those boots were really heavy, so and they were even heavier on the fourth day. So It was not. It was a struggle. It was yeah. not the business. So when we got back here, um, I'm laying in bed, and I jumped out of bed really quick, and I, <laughs> my desk was in the corner of the room, and I had like one of those rolly chairs, and... I stubbed my toe, my big toe, like right into it, oh. and my toes were super tender. And I remember that, yeah. and your nail came off, didn't it? Well, did you have to say that on the podcast? <laughs> it was really gross. You know, you sent me a picture. <laughs> you know we're really good friends if I send you nasty pictures. Right, you're like, mother effort, I just stubbed my toe, and I'm like, ooh, wow. And then you sent me a picture, and I'm like, ah. It took almost a year for my nail to grow back. So you volunteered that info. Yeah, that, that was not the business. No. So here I am again, limping. I've got a big bruise. Girl, that's as bad as me falling because I never, it never fails. I'm like the clumsiest hiker of life. And I have fallen a couple times. I used to run up and down the mountain all the time. No more running for this gal. This gal's too chunky and out of shape. And my balance is just not real good. See, I'm not, I'm not the running hiker. When I see people running past me, like, and it's 112 degrees outside, and I'm like, what the fuck? Well, you hiked with me. Are you on cocaine? (laughs) (laughs) I just don't get it. I think he's on cocaine. That's why you're so skinny, motherfucker. I hope you fall. (laughs) Wow. And I'm not. (laughs) Because I don't run. 
Go. If you ever see me running, girl, oh yeah, I'm you running. better start running. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I think you're a little bit faster thinking than me because I'm like, why is all my wait? <laughs> oh, I wow. might trip you though. <laughs> what are we drinking today? So we're actually drinking Goose Island Copper Project. It's a barrel-aged Scotch ale. So it's actually um, aged in bourbon bales for about four months. So anything, I shouldn't say anything, a lot of Goose Island um, Scottish ales, um, they have a whole line of really hard to get a hold of um, beers. Right. So we happen to, to shop at Total Wine quite a bit. So we stop at the front counter and ask for anything special. They usually are like, we have XYZ. If we want it, we grab it. If not, no worries. We did that exact same thing. And sure as shit, it's that time of year where they had special beers. And I'm like, oh, Alma would appreciate this. So mm-hmm. picked up a little four pack and off we went. I like it. I like it a lot. It's nice. It's actually better warm. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Obviously, those long pauses are Our when we're drinking. <laughs> it's Arizona. It's summer. It's still hot. <laughs> we're in September. It's 106. So hellish. <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. Are you going to go first today? Or? I am going to go first simply because this is a really long one. And I love at least... Are you looking at my shirt? I just saw your shirt. <laughs> it says, uh, oh, fuck, I'm lost. It's a thing. <laughs> It was a cigar event that I went with my husband to at the Tuaje cigar event. They make great cigars, lots of fun. It totally got rained out at our friend's um, cigar shop. Um, Fine Ash, if you're ever in Arizona, they actually have a bar cigar place there at Westgate. Um, great little place. But yeah, I, I needed a t-shirt. You know me, I need a t-shirt everywhere you I do. go. You always have the best shirts. <laughs> you have the best shirts. And uh, fuck, I usually am lost. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a cute little place there. Although yeah. I just like the sweet cigars, the little, Girl, the little sweeties. I am a big Isla del Sol. That's a, like a total chick cigar. Not real expensive. Sweet. It's done by Drew Estates. Um, there's a couple other ones that actually have come up that I've really enjoyed. And I don't really remember the maker, but one's, um, I think it's called Fat Bottom Betty. Ooh. And the other one is called Sweet Jane, which I usually drink with my Widow Jane bourbon. So, struggle is real. Makes you want to drink some bourbon. <laughs> right. If you guys haven't noticed, um, we're not really picky about what we drink. It's nope. not only wine. It's beers and maybe we'll have some whiskey on here and some bourbon. Yeah. I mean, no. We're not picky. Never picky. No. We go from nice beers to nice... Well, we will go... <laughs> In our usual everyday life, <laughs> not every day. <laughs> Don't get well, the wrong not every idea, day people. for you. <laughs> no. I'm like, I, I, I couldn't survive every day. <laughs> I wake up in the morning after we do these, and I'm like, oh god, I gotta go to work. <laughs> and it's like one beer, two beers. Hey, that beer was good last week. Yeah, it was. That was so, a really good. This beer. is actually pretty good, and the great thing about this is it's actually a 8.7% alcohol and it doesn't taste alcoholic. No. It, it's very smooth, very dark. Super smooth for being a dark beer. I agree. How do we end up talking about beer so much? It's good, that's why. It's really good. Okay. So, my story is going to be pretty lengthy, so I'm going to try to not speak quickly, but at the same time talk real fast. Does that make any sense? 
Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with not talking fast Ooh, a bit. Okay, let's try this. Okay, so that my topic is going to be the disappearance of Kathleen McCormick and Rob and Robert Durst. Ooh, okay. Okay. I'm ready for this one. All right. So in the fall of 1971, Robert Durst met Kathleen McCormick, her which they which her nickname is Kathy. Um, after a couple dates, he asked he asked her to move in with him to in Vermont. He actually owned a health food store called All Good Things. She moved there a few months later with him. And then after being there for a while, the patriarch of the family, which um, is Robert Durst's dad, Seymour Durst, pressured him to move back to New York because he wanted him to be part of that family business. Right. So he came down, um, moved over there. They moved out to South Salem, which they mentioned is one of the wealthiest parts of the state. They even, I think, if I remember correctly, I think even Keith Richards had a house there at some point in time. There's a South Salem? There is a South Salem. Is it like South Salem? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not because it's the richest part of the area. Right, right, right. So apparently witches weren't killed there, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Kathy is described as a petite, five, uh, five, five, 120, beautiful blonde hair, um, engaging brown, um, eyes. They say she was outgoing. She was real social, which worked well for Robert Durst because he was the complete opposite. Right. So after they moved to New York, they actually got married there in Salem as well. Um, while they were together, she had finished her nursing degree in 1978 and decided to continue her education at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx. She had she was intending to become a pediatrician. The one thing that friends and family did notice about Robert Durst is that he was extremely controlling with her. Right. So he, he wanted to know where she was at. He need she needed his permission to go anywhere um, before visiting friends, attending dinner the family there was an, even an incident on christmas that she was at her uh, mom's house with her family you know doing christmas dinner like you know normal families do they said that she was sitting on one end of the couch and that he got up and he was like hey i'm, I'm kind of ready to go um she just didn't pay much attention to him because he was kind of a little awkward in that sense so he went outside to warm up the car came back, grabbed her coat, and he said, let's go. And she she replied to him, like, oh, just come on, just stay a little while longer. He then at that point lunged at her, pulled her up, um, pulled her from the couch by her hair, and pretty much dragged her out. And this is in front of her family, which I'm surprised the brother didn't even get up and... Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think... I'm not going to say what I think, but okay. So anyways, this is one of the incidents. Another incident was that she was actually treated at the Bronx Hospital with facial bruising, which she allegedly told one of her friends that her husband had done that as well. She didn't press charges. They said the breaking point of their marriage was when she actually became pregnant and he was really upset because he had told her from the get-go that he never wanted kids. Right. And so um, and so her pregnancy had caused a lot of tension in the relationship, and at the end of the day, he kind of forced her to have an abortion, and that was kind of the beginning of the end of their marriage. Um, at some point, she had asked him for a divorce, requesting a $250,000 settlement. Um, he refused to give it to her canceled her credit cards and then um, stopped paying for her school at that point in time and took her off the joint bank account. Right. So on January 31st, 1982, she actually attended a party at a friend's house. She had, uh, her friend had mentioned that Kathy looked really upset, um, that told her that she was planning on leaving her husband, but that she wanted to become a doctor. So she wanted to save up some money first before she left. Um, 
she I think she was like four months from graduating medical school at that point. There was in a time. movie, right? Like yeah, Ryan all good Gosling. things. Yes, I love that movie. That I didn't even realize it was a true story until after the fact, and then I'll get to that. At Wasn't the it end. like loosely based? It was loosely based, but if you actually listen to the documentary, um, the Jinx, right? It's not that too was loosely good based. Too. So that was good. That dude, that dude's a nut. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, that dude is a nut. So, anyways, when um, she was at this party, um, Robert called her. She got really upset. She immediately had to leave. Um, she had a you know before her leaving, she had a conversation with one of her friends, um, saying that um, promise me if anything happens to me that you'll check it out. I'm afraid of what. What Bobby will do um, and then she left back to her cottage there to South Salem looks like she was supposed to meet her friend the next day they had discussed it they're gonna meet her friend the next day and a new at a New York bar um, but that was at that point the last time they had heard from her um, per Robert though he said that she had actually used a Mercedes to drive to her friend's party which he did not want to go and he didn't want her to go either but she went anyways she came back home after the after he called her, she said that she had been drinking, but she wasn't drunk. Um, she told him she wanted to go to the city and that he um, refused to give her the car keys. Okay. So he admits that they peeped, they pushed and shoved each other. He said that they argued and that he refused to give her the car keys, that they did have a shoving match back and forth. But at the end of the day, um, they made up, they had a sandwich together. And then he took her to the Cataton train station to catch the um, 2115, I'm assuming 915 train for Manhattan. They had a but... shoving match? And then yeah. she made him a sandwich? Yeah. Well, I don't know if she made him a sandwich, but they had a sandwich. So that's his, but you know how kooky he is if you even watched any of the other been like documentary <laughs> right exactly right in that this poor girl though you gotta imagine though being controlled for so long and so on and so forth i mean at what point in time do you kind of even though i don't agree with it at what point in time are you just like i just need to get the fuck out of here you know what i mean and right. again this is his side of the story compared to her because she obviously went missing so he says that after taking her to the train station that he he went home, noticed that a neighbor was up, went over there, had a drink with him, um, called her his wife around 1130. She said that she had made it safely and that she was watching TV and, and at their Manhattan home. Turns out that um, when the police actually asked him, oh, we don't see any records for you calling her. He's like, no, 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 no. I was taking the dog for a walk and um, I called from a payphone. So that's not suspicious at all, right? Not at all. So it would re- it would they would later be revealed that the neighbor um said that he never had a drink with Robert and that and then years later he admitted to the reporters that he never talked to her that night and this Crazy. is uh, yeah he's and so it actually you know so it, it pretty much took away the verification that actually got to, she actually got to Manhattan but he was just like well the police were asking me a bunch of questions and I just wanted them to go, wanted them to go away so I just told them that wow and then after watching that movie like mm-hmm. just knowing the way his mind not really knowing the way his mind worked because he's how can you know because he's a lunatic just seeing how wrapped up in his lies he gets right he actually believed everything right. that was going on rather right. it's like he almost lived in a different reality compared to normal people yeah (laughs) um they said that they didn't really question robert too that much because they said they knew that him and kathy were having problems and that he already had started dating somebody so they figured she was just an unhappy marriage and she went away and i'm like oh my god this is totally the 80s when that stuff was okay right so like i said she was supposed to meet up one of her friends at the lion gates um 
bar in Manhattan. However, she when she didn't show up, she started to get this friend started to get worried after the conversation they had the night before. So she started calling Robert and asking him if he if she if he had seen her. He said no. Um, then he started calling the family members asking if he anybody had talked to Kathy. Um, and then he ended up reporting her missing five days later after the last time anybody saw her. Um, they said friends and family grew angry, feeling that little was being done to actually find her. So they actually took it upon themselves to start looking for her. They, right. Like her friends were That's casing the, the hospitals, the train station, taking shifts. Eventually, they actually went to um, look at his garbage. Um, and this is a couple weeks after she's been gone. And they said that when they went when they grabbed all the garbage they literally grabbed it threw it in their car so when they um so when they got it into their when they took it out of the car and started just separating it they realized it was all of her stuff it was her makeup it was her books it was her clothes it was everything like he already knew that she wasn't going to be coming home at all exactly what they did find though was they did find us um a little handwritten note that said town dump bridge dig boat other and it said shovel or car trunk which they felt was incriminating evidence but of course the police were like it's a note (laughs) um hello right exactly (laughs) i mean now now you look back at this stuff and you're thinking how could you not have hello that's just crazy to me i agree so according to the missing persons report there was no evidence of foul play what exactly well because she was they couldn't find her the house wasn't disheveled they she was just gone for all they knew especially in the 80s that she just left up and left i'm like really she had no money he took her off the shovel right town dump (laughs) dig dig all her shit was in the garbage yeah okay believe me i feel you i'm like what how could they not have but they just they, they completely fucked up, like, for lack of a better I, I write term. myself notes like that all the time. Kill, kill. Kill, kill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so like I said, they, they said he already had been dating somebody. They figured that she left. Um, however, her diary notes, Kathy's diary notes, had indicated that he had been abusive and that he was escalating. Um, eventually, eight years after Kathy had disappeared, he actually filed for divorce, uh, claiming spousal abandonment. So that's about 1990. So nearly about 20 years after the, after her disappearance, a guy um, completely unrelated to the case got arrested for indecent exposure. Um, he was a convict. His um, lawyer actually contacted the police, telling them that he wanted to give them some, that that person wanted to give them information in regards to um, Kathy being missing. Right. So about 20 years after Kathy's disappearance, uh, a man unrelated to the case actually was arrested in New York for indecent exposure. After the man was convicted, his attorney um, reached out to the police and said that his client wanted to feed him some information on an old missing case that happened to be Kathy's. So he, the information that he fed to them with that was that he had heard a woman a woman had been kidnapped by Durst and had been murdered at her, at a cottage in Westchester. Um, the case was reopened and Robert Durst once again found himself under under a microscope pretty much. As the case against um, Durst heated up once again, police received word that they should talk to a woman named Susan Berman. Um, she was his best friend. She was his alibi. Um, they were known to be best friends. Um, 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 let's try that again. So... <laughs> Um, that's supposed to be a drinking game every time I say, um, right. <laughs> We'd so, be dead. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> on both of us. On both counts. Mine would be so 
um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, fall down. So anyways, so um, both had lost parents as a child, and I'm not sure, I know this probably mentioned this in the um, the Jinx documentary, but I guess the, he had mentioned that his father had actually taken him to the window, and where his mom was standing on the roof, and then, um, and then pretty much just shushed him, you know, to bed, and a few minutes later, he heard the maid saying, she's off the roof because the mom had jumped. The and brother that denies the that. Too. Was it? I don't remember if it was in the movie. Well, it was kind of like flashbacks. In regards to that? Yeah, to the mom. I don't... Um, Honestly, I saw the movie a long time ago, and I didn't realize it was a true story at all until like the very, very end. And then when the jinx came out, I'm like, oh shit, that's right. So him and Bergman were actually really good friends. Um, they were both children from rich and powerful parents. So they said that Bergman's family fortune, however, wasn't done legally, um, which in reality, what big fortune is done legally at this point in time. But they said that her dad was actually a Vegas mobster that he had partnered with Buggy Siegel at the Flingo, at the Flamingo hotel and was potentially involved in, in Siegel's death. Oh Yeah. Um, something that she didn't learn, she didn't realize her dad was, um, a mob boss until she was actually in her teenage years and, um, somebody had written a book about him. She actually became an author herself by actually writing the true life crime book, Easy Street. From what I understand, it was a true story of the mob family, um, describing her as a daughter of an important mob boss. She was kind of flashy with it. You know what I mean? She really didn't care. It was, it was something that she was like. She was proud of it. Pretty much, yeah. Um, she even displayed a picture of her dad's living room, um, which kind of on the side note, you know, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a great guy, but so her dad. When they started um, connecting those two, all of a sudden they're like, okay. So when Kathy had disappeared and they're questioning her and um, questioning everybody initially, the doorman said that he actually had seen her. And then um, the professor had said that she had called, said she wasn't feeling good and that she would um, not be in school that day. So now after 20 years, all this stuff is happening, realizing that his connection with a mobster's daughter, all of a sudden the doorman's um, testimony comes into play, um, saying that well could he have been paid off could he um you know was that really true he finally admits that well i saw the back of her and i couldn't be 100 percent that it was actually her um they're thinking that even um susan bergman actually may have called the professor pretending to be kathy um saying she was sick so that way there was some sort of somebody else talking to her or to see her or hear from her after the fact but in reality she probably never left salem so So i don't get like at what point after a person's been missing you know a person that's pretty stable has been missing for so many years at what point do you start looking at the husband you know that's the biggest thing is that um we didn't have the internet or anything like that so i think people tended to probably leave and not be heard of i mean you hear people living double lives you know fathers or what more fathers um having two separate families right um so i mean it wasn't as easy to find somebody i think her family and friends always suspected but he's rich that was the thing you know what I mean so that's what it comes down to is that he's rich they lawyered up pretty quickly they couldn't find any real evidence that she had been killed so we're like "Eh, she left which is shitty either way but you know something you probably wouldn't be able to get away with nowadays but it just he got away with so many things Mm -hmm. girl I'm getting to that I'm totally getting to that so um like I said they did go back and search the cottage um after the guy who was arrested had said that that he had heard about a murder in Salem um which was Kathy 
They ended up going through that house and finding a secret area in the back of the closet that even the current owners at that point had no idea was even there. Nothing was there. It ended up being just a bunch of cobwebs, but it was still kind of a secret area. Right. So detectives examined phone records, discovered a series of collect calls made to the headquarters of the Durst organization during the days um, surrounding um, Kathy's disappearance. The calls were unusual because usually only the dad and the brother who were actually um, pretty much um, taking care of the business were the ones calling which I found kind of odd, but I'm thinking, okay, it's the 80s, so there probably wasn't cell phones. If you needed to call something, you would just you didn't have change, you'd just be like, yeah, call XYZ. Well, not XYZ, but call the the Durst organization, and then they would know to accept the charges because they're paying for it anyways. Right. That happened all the time. Right? So. Not that I know, because I wasn't born then. <laughs> Go after you. We were poor, so <laughs> if we made a collect call, you had to go real fast. Uh, I met my son before the operator was like, would you accept a call, a collect call from? Nope. <laughs> my mom was going to be real mad. I cannot no. accept this call. I don't have any quarters. <laughs> Anyways, they said that they ended up tracing some of these collect calls that were being made back to a New Jersey, um, a New Jersey Piney Wood area, which is notorious, uh, notorious for actually... Um, being used by the by the New York City mob bosses to dispose victims' bodies. They never found her body, just in case we didn't all kind of figure that out already. So at this point, the police were convinced that Susan Berman actually knew something in regards to uh, Kathy's disappearance. So they actually thought that she her influences, like I mentioned earlier, could have had the doorman's testimony been paid for or whatever the case may be. Um, so they were getting ready to contact her to find out what she knows about the case. So around Christmas Eve, December um, 24th in the year 2000, she didn't arrive to their stepchildren's house. Um, not there. I'm sorry. Her stepchildren's house. They had planned dinner and they said usually she's really prompt. She's always on time. She never misses an appointment. So they found this kind of strange. Police were then at right around that time also responding to a call of an open door at a res- as a residence there in L.A. They said they found her body on the floor. She had a single bullet wound to the back of her head and had been dead less than about 24 hours. The Winchester authorities were stunned to learn that the crucial witness to the events um, had been murdered just days before they were getting ready to question her pretty much. Oh, wow. So there was no evidence of forced entry into her home. Um, They said that it was very likely she knew her attacker. At the time of her death, though, she was working on a book about Las Vegas mobs and that she had told friends that um, she didn't quite have all the answers yet, but that the new book was pretty much going to blow it off, blow off the hinges off the door or, or something to that effect. So they pretty much surmised that she was probably a mob hit because she was probably getting into something that she probably shouldn't have. Right. Um, however, they actually, they said that their, assess- their initial assessment was completely wrong because then they received a letter at the police station saying that written. In, in, in like big and like capitalized block letters saying that 1527 Benedict Canyon cadaver. So they actually thought that because somebody took the time to actually write that, that it couldn't have been a mob hit. It was probably more somebody who cared for the person because they wanted her, them to be found sooner rather than later. Somebody that writes himself cryptic notes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Exactly. So 
they actually, um, when they examined her, when they actually examined her house, they examined her computer, um, they said that she was having some big money problems that she had, um, who's behind on her rent, that she had a list of, of people that she was either getting money from in regards to a loan, a gift, a bribe, who knows, but there was just a list of people with, um, Robert Durst's name happened to be on it, next to it having a, a sum of five, I'm sorry, of $50,000. They actually attempted to, um, to compare Durst's handwriting compared to the hand, the handwritten note sent to the police, but they, they said it was close, but they couldn't conclusively say that it was absolutely his. Okay. What was the $50,000? That's what they're, that's what they're kind of white. That's exactly it. Okay. They actually had mentioned, they, they had mentioned that that maybe it wasn't a bribe. Was it blackmail? They really couldn't really tell. They had actually learned that, um, Robert was actually going to meet her sometime around the holidays and that flight records showed that he had indeed flown from New York to San Francisco on December 19th, only a few days before her death, and it was determined that he had stayed in Trinidad, 300 miles north of San Francisco, where he had owned a home. The police, the L.A. detectives noted that two unusual calls appeared on her phone records. Um, both of them were made from Garville, Garville, just 80 miles south of Trinidad, on December 20th. Both phone calls were actually made using an anonymous calling card. So, mm-hmm. despite being able to tie the, despite being unable to tie the phone calls to Jer's cell phone records, they noted that he, that he would routinely check his phone and check his messages. But during that five t- that five day period when he was in San Francisco, he didn't check anything. So it almost appeared as if he had completely turned off his phone. So even though that he was in the area around the time um, in the states, I'm not sure so much in the area that um, he was in. You know, he was in California during the time that she died. They didn't couldn't find absolute proof, so they act that he was there when she died, or that, or any sort of evidence that he was he was the one who actually did it. So he actually the day that she was found, he actually took a 10 p.m. flight out of San Francisco back to New York. The months following. Following the death of Susan Berman, um, he actually moved. It was really weird because a few months after she had passed away, he actually went in hiding. Went, found a small little hole in the wall in Galveston, Texas, a $300 a month apartment. $300? Yeah. What year was this? So this is all within the same year. So this is December 19, 2000. Um, She was found on the 24th. He flew out on the 24th. So um, like I said, a few months after her body was found, he actually um, went into hiding. Okay. can find him. He went to, like I said, he went to Galveston, Texas, found an apartment, a little hole in the wall, $300 a month. Um, That's just crazy. Isn't it? $300? I'm sorry, $300. Yeah. How many square feet? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It must have been a real, like, piece of shit apartment that's that's pretty much what they said so he actually um when he when he actually um got this apartment it was said that he paid a full year in advance and then he disguised himself with a wig address and said he was a he he was posing as an elderly okay i was just remembering this part of the story He was a mute woman um, okay. just to avoid recognition. So, uh, can you that imagine? That shit is bananas. That is crazy. Fucking bananas. I was like, I was sitting there looking at this and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
this is the time when reality is really stranger than fucking fiction. I'm like, what the fuck? So, let's see. A few months later, there in Galveston, Texas, a group of kids found what they thought was a human torso along the shores of Galveston Bay. They called the, they called the police, obviously. Um, police went over there after looking around the area. They actually found uh, several plastic bags containing different body parts except for the head. Head was completely missing. So, Fuck. um they had no idea who this guy was except for the fact that there was a small um, piece of newspaper inside of it. The newspaper actually had an address on it. Wait, wait, wait. Where was the newspaper? Inside In- these plastic bags. Oh, I thought inside the head. No, I was like, no, oh, because my the head's God. gone. <laughs> You're like, damn, motherfucker, you mean. <laughs> You're well, a real psycho. Right? <laughs> No, in the plastic okay. bag. I'm not sure why there was a newspaper in there, but for some reason there was. Okay. And so um, that's, they found this address. They actually notice that there's blood leading from the street. Um, when they actually go to this address, they actually notice that there's blood going from the street into the entryway of this small apartment complex. There was a, an A apartment and a B apartment. And so um, they ended up finding out that it was the body of Mor- Morris Black. And they said he was a grumpy kind of loner type, lived by himself. And so they saw that, but then they also noticed that the blood led to apartment um, two, which is which happened to belong to Dorothy S- a Sinner. Sinner? 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 Um, and again, she was described, and I quote, a real ugly deaf mute person. <laughs> Not not just ugly, a real ugly. (laughs) Damn, he was ugly. (laughs) So the landlord actually told the police that um, she (laughs) did. I know. myself <laughs> so the rest they the landlord had told the police <laughs> okay how's that beer this tasting? is the first time that i've been able to laugh at one of your stories <laughs> no shit right usually it's like sad, sad. I, i'm just sitting there with a serious face like oh my god <laughs> Not making light of the people no, that no, no, he no, killed, but, but this guy is a nut. Right? He's fucking And he's psycho. a fucking ugly. <laughs> he's a very ugly. Very fucking very, ugly. Very, very ugly. Okay. Um so the 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 landlord at that point in time the told good, him by the way. Is it? Yeah. You feeling little. that good? I'm feeling it's it. It's eight you feeling all eight point nine percent of it. I'll feel it tomorrow morning. Fine, fine, fine. Very good, very good, very good. <laughs> looking at you like oh that's very cute <laughs> okay landlord gives it all love paid in cash she travels a lot she's rarely there a brother's there occasionally but people see him from a distance no one any nobody's actually had any conversation with them so on and so forth then and that she is currently um out of town right now so they get a search warrant go through her house they actually pull up um the linoleum floor and they because they had noticed that there were actually like knife mark cut marks so when they pull up the floor there's actually blood underneath it as well damn 
right? And so um, ended up they ended up identifying ah wow 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 wow. They ended up identifying it as Morris Blacks. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck was that? Girl, that was me. <laughs> and some beer. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> so pull up her floor, blood on the, on the, um, underneath it. Um, it's identified as Morris Blacks. So while they're going through their, going through her house, they actually find a receipt for an op, the local ophthalmologist, um, under the name Robert Durst. They're like, Okay, this there's an appointment here in the next, you know, few days, few weeks. I didn't get the exact timeline. They went to the eye to the ophthalmologist, said, Hey, if this guy shows up, I need you to go ahead and give us a call. We have some questions for him. Right. Okay, no biggie. So they're like, This guy's never showing up. All of a sudden this policeman's um getting this page, page after page after page, and he realized it's the ophthalmologist race over there sure as shit he went to go pick up his glasses so they then at that point in time they arrested him then he was uh, formally charged in october 9 2001 um charged with homicide and the death of morris black they held his bond at about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. and so i guess he turned around and looked at the policeman it was like what do i do and the policeman's like well do you have a do you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars?" and he's like well not on me so then it's, I'm like, I sat there and rolled my Just in my, my eyes, trust fund. Right? Fucker. So his, his wife at that time turns around, bails him out. And if he, he had a been, wife? He oh, did shit. have a wife. So Deborah Lee Chartan? Charitan? Yeah. So if Sharpay? you ever see... Sure, Sharpay. We're going to call her that. <laughs> so she bails him out. He's obviously is out free on bail. Guess who doesn't show up back to court? He was like, bye-bye, bitches. I never plan on getting that money back. Good luck finding me. So right. that's exactly what he did. So turns out later on, he ends up um, using different aliases, bouncing um, from point to point. So he actually, there's a national, na- national, oh, there's a nationwide bad hunt for him. And this, this, just to show you how fucking kooky and idiotic he is. So he actually gets caught stealing a sandwich. Uh, from a grocery store. Here we he go has with the sandwich again. $400 in his pocket, like almost 40 grand in his car. And really? he's stealing a fucking sandwich. Fucking tight one. I'm just like, oh God. You got $400 in your pocket and you're going to steal a sandwich? Pretty much. That's pretty yeah, much that's how it mental. went. So I guess when they actually, um, he was arrested, obviously, because they were like, no stealing here. And um, so when they went into his car, they found two loaded guns, a driver license that belonged to his next door neighbor, um, Morris Black. Um, I don't think he even had eyebrows because he thought somehow that was going to. I'm like, what, what? the fuck? He didn't have eyebrows. He thought that, you know, he would be recognizable without eyebrows. And I'm like, fool, you're just a man without eyebrows. I don't know. Like, take eyebrows away from people and that just like changes their whole appearance. Yes. it's But yeah. That's weird. No, girl. If you see a man without eyebrows, run the other way. That's not normal. It's not not normal at all. That freaks me the fuck out. And I'll tell you a story about in another time about a man without eyebrows. I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're gonna have to tell me after this. (laughs) I have to do. This is going so long. This is gonna be a. This is gonna be a Patreon special. Yeah. The man without eyebrows. Eyebrows, Okay. Oh yeah, girl. That's a real good story. So, anyways. Oh, shit. I can't wait. Okay. So, during his trial, he actually explains that um, him and Morris Black became friends. He, Morris Black, realized that he wasn't a very ugly... (laughs) 
Oldest mute woman. I'm trying not to have a beer spitting incident. We don't want to repeat last week. Oh my god, that was hysterical. Okay, by the way, that was not supposed to make it into like that was bad editing on my part. I sat there and I I listened to that and I was like, oh my god, I'm supposed to edit that out, and I just burst out laughing. Oh my god. By the way, look at my wall. Serena noticed it. Is that the wrong with your wall? I don't see nothing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So he said that they became friends. They drank coffee together. He didn't have to be in disguise. No wig for him. Um, it was hot underneath there anyhow. So then um, one day they said... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Believe me, it's funny. So they said that one day that Black showed up um, at his house with an eviction notice. I guess he had been, you know, um, blah, 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 blah. okay, so Black actually showed him an eviction notice he received from the landlord, said that he had went to the bathroom and heard a gunshot, and from the living room, and it's because Black had actually shot the eviction notice because he was pissed that he was being evicted. Um, he then told uh, the jury that then at that point in time, he told Morris Black to leave and to never come back. So a few days later, he said he came home um, in his disguise and all and um, to find Black sitting at his house on his table. He had made himself comfortable, let himself in. He said that he was that he had a gun and that he was concerned that um, Morris was going to shoot him in the face. Um, he was going to shoot him in the face and that him and um, Morris Black started wrestling over this gun. The gun went off, shot Morris Black in the face. He didn't know what to do. So like anything, he dismembered the body. Oh, my God. He actually said he felt that he um, that Black was going to go ahead and start blackmailing him and he was going to go to the police if he didn't pay for his rent, I guess, or, or something to that effect. And I'm like. You have a shit ton of money. It's a $300 apartment. You could have paid a year's worth of this guy's rent. Are you kidding me? But he's a fucking weirdo. So, um, yeah. And so he, so he said that he felt like he was Morris Black was going to go to the police and tell him who he really was. So the defense argued that Durst, um, self-defense claimed noting that the neighbor stated he had heard two gunshots. Uh, the bullet hole was found in the wall, but Durst swears it came from that earlier incident when he actually shot the eviction notice. But How many passes does he get? Girl, apparently lots. So I mean, if your name keeps coming up when people like are murdered and chopped to bits or yeah, go missing. Or assassinated, you know. Yeah, no. So go go through all that trial. Shit you not. They actually came back with a verdict of not guilty. What the fuck? <laughs> he actually Robert Durst was shocked. He looked at his had his attorney and he's like did they just did they just say I was not guilty? Are you sure? And sure shit. So they actually had required um, the jury letter explained that the judge had required they discount what they knew about Dirt's dismemberment of the body and focus only on the act of murder. I'm like one judge got paid off real well. That's 
So, okay, so then, um, despite being acquitted of the murder, he actually pled guilty of two counts of bond jumping and one count of evidence tampering. Um, he received a five-year five sentence with the credit given for the time served, resulting in a three-year sentence behind bars. He was paroled after only one year. So then, at this point in time, all good things, the movie came out. The director had actually mentioned in the jinx that he um, wanted a movie where Robert Durst could actually see it and feel like he's watching his story. Robert Durst being the arrogant ass that he is, calls the producers of this movie and says, I've never done an interview. I oh want to do an interview God. with you guys. Okay. So his lawyers told him, don't do it. You know, one slip of the tongue can cause a lot of problems for you. Um, he's like, nope, I don't care. I want to do it. And he allowed himself to be interviewed. Narcissism. Right? It's a disease. <laughs> <laughs> Too many people have. Right. Okay, so um, around this time, um, okay, so he wanted to be interviewed, and this is where this started. This is where the documentary, The Jinx, actually comes in. While he's out, um, and during the release of this movie, his family, um, the Durst family members, took out a restraining order on him, claiming that they were fearful of him. They said that um, after his first HBO interview, during a period when the producers were attempting to convince Durst to do a second interview, filmmakers received word that Durst was once again behind bars, this time for violating a restraining order. It was learned that Robert had been arrested for walking up the steps of a townhouse that was owned by his brother Douglas. Um, his actions were caught on a security camera and that he went on trial and again he was acquitted in addition to being cut loose the judge vacated 13 orders of protection that Durst's family had taken out on him wow so um my mouth is literally just like <laughs> on the floor right now i hear you it's the devil i tell you so um, the beginning of the end seemed to arrive for him during the filming of the HBO documentary, The Jinx, which I know we've mentioned quite a bit. Um, a trail of unsolved disappearances, murders that seemed to follow him, prompted interest in a documentary. Filmmakers Andrew Jarecki and Mark Smerling took on the project, a six-part examination of the recluse millionaire at the heart of three killings spanning four decades. Okay, so um, anyways, during these um, the interviews with these filmmakers, um, when Kathy Durst had disappeared, um, Robert Durst said that they took the classic lowering up approach, hiring a criminal attorney, hiring a private investigator before suspicion was ever directed towards Robert. The Durst private investigator, Ed, Edward Wright, researched the case and produced a confidential report for the family's eyes only. They said that they had obtained that copy of Ed Wright's confidential report, and the report listed discrepancies in Durst's statement both to the police and to his own attorneys. So they went out of their way to protect him. Pretty much. Like, but obviously they knew what he was. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is And if even, they didn't, they had to have a clue. A clue. Well, they even said, like, even um, in different uh, research that I was doing, that the dad actually took both kids to sibling-like counseling because they just couldn't get along. Right. They said he started acting up quite a bit after his mom died and not that even makes an excuse because a lot of kids moms dies in very horrific and different ways but they don't do this kind of shit right you know what i mean most importantly the report noted that the manhattan doorman who said claimed he had seen kathy the night she disappeared 
told Juris private investigators that he did not see Kathy that night at all. So one out of those two um, initial witnesses that said that placed her in Manhattan never had seen her at all that day. It goes on and on, and you can see the documentary in regards to the discrepancy, his behavior, his arrogance, um, some of the shit he says. Like I said, it just goes on and on. During that um, documentary as well, they said that Susan Berman's stepson um, agreed to work with the show's director during the filming of The Jinx because he had been cl- really close to his stepmom, even though they had separated, that they be, were still really close to her, um, hence they were going to spend Christmas Eve with her um, for dinner. Um, they said they're running, running through her stuff, going through her stuff, obviously, because, you know, they're the stepkids, and that they actually ran, ran across a letter that Susan had received from Robert Durst many years earlier, so probably about five years beforehand, and close examination of the letter envelope produced a stunning revelation that on the face of the envelope were the words Beverly Hills, written in the same distinct block lettering um, as the infamous cadaver letter. Oh, wow. So they said that the writing was identical down to the misspelling of Beverly Hills. Are you serious? Yep. He told filmmakers that, um, that it was then that Kaufman realized that he may be dancing with the devil. Comparison of handwriting on the cadaver letter and the letter Robert Durst sent to Susan Berman, um, again, they said it was pretty much identical. They struggled, the producers of this documentary kind of struggled whether to bring the letter to the law enforcement, to, to the police. Um, but they eventually they did after talking to their lawyers. They wanted to pre- they actually wanted to preserve journalistic privileges, um, not to disclose sources or testify in court. However, Mr. Surly, I guess their lawyer had said they had a moral obligation and an obligation to the families of the dead to see justice done. So they pretty much gave that to him. Right. Hey, and I, so the biggest thing here was that um, he pretty much wrings his own neck, as they note on here, is that when they started going over the cadaver letter... Um, and everything else, he starts getting more fidgety, and he excuses himself to the restroom oh, after God. they start getting after this they yeah so that what, famous yeah oh my God so without going into a whole lot of detail, they start get, you know just kind of asking him questions. He starts right. getting fidgety, right? Um, can, you know, um, excuses himself to the restroom, but they leave his mic on, which they say is a kind of an old journalistic trick because he already okayed to to keep an icon right and so he starts whispering to himself there because it is because he's crazy yeah they're like who does that you go in the bathroom and just start talking whispering to, yourself. to yourself right and there's a lot of people that are like okay he's whispering to himself he talks to himself it could be a lot of different reasons it doesn't mean he's guilty but whatever <clears throat> so he starts saying there it is you're caught of course they're right you can't you know you can't imagine arrest him i don't know what's in that house oh i want this what a disaster um he was right i was wrong and then he was I guess he burped a lot during the interviews <laughs> what they were saying. They're like, what? I'm like, okay then. So, um, kind of like I'm doing with this beer right now. Trying to <laughs> stay off mic. Um, and then I just said that, and then the, and the last blow of him kind of, you know, putting the noose around his neck, it says, I'm having difficulty with the question. What the hell did I do? Kill them all. Of course. Okay, I'm sorry. When I heard that, when I watched the Jinx, that gave me goosebumps. I agree. Like, I was like, is this real? That was, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, girl, when I actually heard that, I was like, holy shit. Like, I was at the edge of my seat watching this show, listening to it. Right. And I could not believe what I was hearing either. So, 
they eventually um, arrest him due to um, those hot mics being on and him whispering to himself. Yeah, so that and the reason why they had actually it looks like with the popularity of the movie and the new document um, documentary, it actually produced more interest into um, reopening that case. So and that's in that incident is when Durst's lawyer literally stepped in and informed him that everything he was saying was being picked up and recorded through the open mic he was wearing. Durst brushed it off, saying he was only trying to find the right voice. <laughs> the right crazy voice right because you know because <laughs> i have multiple personalities maybe well that man is that's when it's crazy he's arrested for the murder of susan berman they said with the renewed attention brought by the documentary the jinx and um, would lead jurors to try to flee the country however um Durst said he had no fear that his comments would renew interest in any of the cases what he told reporters it's so long ago, some DA would have um, commenced a budget-busting investigation. I just don't see that happening, were his quotes. Wow. So, despite his cavalier attitude um, towards his acquittal in Texas, killing the lack of law enforcement, prosecution, and the disappearance of his wife or the death of his best friend, the filmmakers from HBO did what investigators failed to do over 30 years ago. On Saturday, March 14, 2015, Durst was arrested at the at the Canal Street Marriott in New Orleans, where he had registered under a false name, Everett Ward, using a fake ID and paying for the room with cash. And then it says the final segment of HBO documentary and aired that next day after he had been arrested. So, That's crazy. Okay, so they said at the time of his arrest that he was apprehended with a neck-to-head latex mask. Because, you know, he couldn't be weird enough. With hair actually attached. So it was a latex mask with hair attached to it. He had a fake ID, his birth certificate, and a passport. Ew. Nearly $43,000 in cash, in $100 bills, a loaded thirty-eight. on all this was found in his a latex mask? I'm thinking of... Michael Myers, right? Michael Myers. <laughs> and you're like, that's what I'm Halloween. thinking. You want to hear that like, fucking that music really fast? It's creepy as hell. But he got, girl, all this stuff he found. He was just, but he's just a fucking psycho, though. If you think about it, because he he continues to try to change disguise. You know that man was fleeing. Right. He was running. Oh, absolutely. What was he going to do with that 38? Kill somebody else. Right. That got in his way. Like everybody else he does. He They said that, and what they actually made a comment is that they don't think he's actually a, a killer per se like he goes like to do a serial it intently, killer but they say if you if you corner him he he has no problem killing you Ugh. i'm like oh okay that that's all right then Gross. no worries about that he among his possessions he had a ups tracking number on on this person the fbi intercepted a package found it contained clothing and more than a hundred thousand dollars in cash so it looks like he actually sent this over to himself <laughs> and um sorry i can hear like them turning up the TV out there. So I know. I hear you. It's making me crazy. I know it is, my dear. It I makes know. my editing impossible, but I know. it's okay. You're like, it's fine. It's fine. fine it's fine. fine it's fine. Until we like figure out the recording situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. All right. So it looks like he was planning to leave. Um, maybe a flight to Cuba, but they arrested him. Okay, so Robert Durst is currently in jail right now. There's a lot of different pending charges against him, not including any um, charges against him in regards to Kathy being missing. Um, but there's one where he actually um, he actually got like 85 months for like a weapons charge and so on and so forth. He admittedly said um, from a prison call to um, somebody that he actually regretted doing the jinx because it landed him in jail. And I think a lot of these um, charges are still ongoing at this point in time. So, 
anticlimactic, but that's kind of where we're at at this so point. So no cl- closure on Kathy? Nope. They never found her body. I know her family um, tried to do a lawsuit against him. Um, that never went anywhere. Is there like a statute of limitations? I don't or? think on murder, to be real honest with you. I don't think there's ever a statute of limitations on murder. But there's no body, so... No, and they, they can't find her. So I... Yeah. I mean, they, they really can't do anything in regards to that because they can't find her. They can't have any um, forensic evidence linking him to her or her murder. Or they could he could still say, well, she's still gone. Prove that she's not. So. I just hope they keep him in prison for the rest of his life. Girl, I hope so, too. That's somebody who got away with a lot, a lot of shit. Absolutely. I'm a fucking nut. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking about that latex sex face, aren't you? I was going to try doing the Halloween music, but I think I'd end up doing the wrong one. So I was like, um, <laughs> i just going to stay right here. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it in the background. Anyways. <laughs> no, that's not it. That is Twilight Zone. <laughs> it's always hard because I know you don't watch scary movies, but maybe you watch this one. So I realized like how much like I may draw so many comparisons okay. in life to all the movies I watch and all the books I've read. <laughs> As I'm like like listening to these, it's just I don't know. It's become glaringly obvious to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's majority of what we do too, because like right. I said, I wouldn't even have looked at this or even known about this unless I had seen that movie initially. So Right. So my story is on Mothman. No. Yeah. So did you happen to see the movie? You know, girl, honestly, I think I saw it so long ago that Richard I... Gere, you watched the movie? I did. Oh my god. I don't remember Score. it to be real honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is one of those movies that we uh took the kids to go see okay. and I really regretted taking them cuz they were so no. young. But honestly, I like Usually they would just fall asleep at movies. Not this time. No, it's all peeled no, no, open. No, no, no. They're like, so it was actually I heard it from my mom and my sister. Okay. And they were like, "Could you take the kids to see a movie called Mothman?" I was like, because my mom was babysitting the kids at this time. Okay. And she, I was like, um, yeah. And they were like. Oh my god, well, um, apparently your kids are traumatized, oh, which is something they never god, told us. Because right. they didn't want you to stop taking them to movies. Right, Although right. I'm like completely guilty of that too. Yeah, so I feel really, really bad for taking them <laughs> to see that Whatever, movie. you know what, I think we're pretty good parents. Because I remember seeing some scary ass shit when I was real young, I remember being five years old. And coming out to the TV, seeing the two twins and that roll of blood coming down from the movie The Shining. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what the hell? I wasn't allowed to watch movies like that. My mom would, like, literally, like, my dad would put on a movie or something. And my mom would stand in the hallway and, like, kind of be like, (laughs) try not to be in his view, but, like, catch our view. Like, kind of shaking her head. Yeah, and she'd be, like, making that... (laughs) gesture like come come here come here you shouldn't be watching but she didn't want to piss my dad off so and we knew if we made eye contact with her (laughs) then that was it for us because then like if my dad wasn't there she'd be like you saw me You know you're not supposed to be watching, watching those movies. movies, girl. I feel like, and I don't even think, like I said, when I actually saw that part of the movie, I don't think it was anything that they had intentionally meant to see. Right. But it was just a part that I happened to catch before they were like changing it. But I was like, why there's so much blood everywhere? Right. <laughs> What's wrong with those girls? 
Um, I remember, like, did you ever go to drive-ins with your parents? Yes. Did you see the, like, all the Mexican movies? Um, I actually don't think I see a lot. I've seen a lot of them. There was a movie that they took us to go see. And I don't know, it was like, we went to so many. Okay. And there was like a swing set and we used to like swing on the swing and really not pay attention to the movie. But this one, like, I really paid attention to. It was like, Hija de Nadie. Oh, okay. That's a good title. Yeah. And actually, I can't remember the name of the singers. Yolanda Rios or something okay. like that. Girl, because oh, they always Yolanda... had some somebody singing in those movies. Yeah, Yolanda del Rio, I think it was. Okay. And I, that movie just stands out in my head. And I think my dad actually went and bought me an LP of Aww. the movie. So, because he, he realized I liked it. But that was actually a traumatizing movie. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they get separated as a family. The mother and the daughter go across the border. And um, years and years later, the son goes across the border and unbeknownst to them the girl ends up meeting her brother and falling in love with him <gasps> oh so, my god yeah, it was gross no <laughs> no yeah they're like she's working in some club and singing in some club or I don't remember like the whole plot but that that oh, like stood no. out in my mind uh-huh. and I don't remember how old I was but yeah oh no <laughs> and I was just like that's gross <laughs> yeah <laughs> your brother you like, like how would you not know that was your brother <laughs> Girl, I don't know that. that wow. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> um, like, my story is on the Mothman. Uh, all right, Mothman. Are you gonna tell me a story? No, I was just gonna mention. Um, I know you're from New Mexico, but you got here pretty young, didn't you? Yeah, I was six. So, do you what? Did you remember watching um, Mexican movies at different places around the valley here? Yeah. Do you remember there being? Maybe I'm just crazy because I was pretty young. A movie theater being there off of um, I don't want to say it's Grand and about 35th, right after you get off the ramp. That's a, like, a movie theater. A movie theater. Or they like have a like a Costco. No, it's a movie theater. But they have like a Costco there now. They have a, a Rancho Market there. But in that plaza, it used to be a club. Um, there was a club there. But anyways, that plaza before had an actual movie theater. It, it was like the time of only. It's, you know, Harkins has like twenty five movie right. theaters now. They would only have two. Right. And they showed two movies. Anyways, in that little plaza, I don't know why I even said that. Even mentioning this, but it just nostalgic. I remember there was a movie theater there, and that you would have to go like almost like behind a door and so on and so forth. But we would watch Mexican movies there. Really, I don't remember that. <laughs> I just that remember the drive-in. <laughs> I just remember the drive-in with my dad. I'm okay. just gonna tell you, this beer is delicious. One more time. It's pretty right. good, huh? Yep. Mothman. Mothman. Other than the movie which I'll probably bring up. He's a winged creature first seen in the Point Pleasant area from November 12, 1966 to December 15, 1967. And so where's this at? Point area is where? Uh, West Virginia. Okay. So um, the first newspaper article about the creature is published on November 16, 1966. The title read, Couple see man-sized bird, dot, 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 creature, dot, 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 something. <laughs> <laughs> that was the title. Dot, dot, dot. It was really made famous by John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies, okay. which was later made into a movie, um, which starred Richard Gere and um, Laura Linney. Okay. In 2002. So 
Yeah, I remember seeing that way back when, and I remember the preview scared the shit out of me, but I remember seeing the movie and I thought it was like, eh, really? Yeah. It gave me the creeps. Did it really? Yeah, it did. A lot. <laughs> I'm surprised that it didn't, like, get to you, but... You know what? It may have, in all honesty... Probably because it was, it was like, science fiction-y. Maybe. And again, maybe it did get to me. No. I don't remember. I remember being a little bit disappointed in seeing it. Really? Yeah. Because but, I really thought probably the story you're going to tell is probably what I thought the movie was going to be about. Right. No, it was highly fictionalized. It wasn't, like, the actual story. Anyways, the first recorded sighting took place on November 12, 1966. Okay. Uh, near Clinton, West Virginia. Five men were at a cemetery preparing a grave for burial when they saw something taking off from some nearby trees. It was brown. It was a brown-winged creature. They all attested to the fact that it was not a bird, but something humanoid. Really? Yeah. That's strange. Ooh. Yeah. And so this is apparently the first sighting. In the next several days, the humanoid bird creature would be seen, seen several more times. Many of these sightings took place near what is known as the TNT area. Okay, what's TNT? Um, it was an old West Virginia Ordnance Works. Uh, it was an abandoned World War II munitions. That sounds creepy to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, a, it's a huge area, and there's all kinds of underground tunnels, and oh, no. yeah, flooded out. It's just, it hasn't been used since World War II. Okay. So, yeah. yeah that could be Lots of creeps. areas where creatures can hide. Because something's old like that, just abandoned, seriously give me the creep. Apparently, it's a pretty creepy place. I did listen to one encounter, and it was actually, like, in the last few years, within the last 10 years, I'd say. Okay. A couple had went up there, and they, because they'd already heard the stories and whatever, they went up there, and they go into the TNT place. Okay. And they're, like, recording, and... So just, spelunking, pretty much, yeah, just... Yeah, kind of just... Um, but they're like purposely looking for the Mothman because it's a phenomenon. Okay. And they go home and something follows them home. Like oh, basically no. attaches itself to them. Oh no. Yeah. No, no, so, no, no. Anyways, let me get on with this part. <laughs> is spelunking a word? Hold on. Is spelunking, is spelunking, is that a word, right? Yeah, spelunking's a word, but probably not something they did in there. Okay. It's I like, what you, myself, I was like, wait, it's, hold it's on, what you do in the right caves. Word. When you're going in, into caves. Yeah, you might have to edit all that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I probably won't. I'll probably forget oh, God, again. Please. <laughs> please, please, please. Because I'm like, wait, that's not. As soon as I said it, I'm like, wait, that's not the word. <laughs> <laughs> not spelunking. Not spelunking. Okay. Okay. So, like I was saying, many of these sightings took place near what is known as the TNT area and old West Virginia Ordnance Works okay. and abandoned World War II munitions plant. When this facility w was still in operation, it manufactured ammunition and dynamite. The surrounding area is mostly forest. Um, there's also structures that are referred to as igloos, which were used to store barrels of gunpowder. Oh, wow. Um, the area is also riddled with abandoned tunnels. Most of these collapsed or have been sealed off or flooded by water. That's amazing, though. I mean, can you imagine actually exploring those type of things? Obviously, you accept the danger that comes along with it. But, I right. mean, that must be just fucking seriously cool to see. And there's a lot of those places, like, just, like, all over the U.S. Oh, from yeah. World War II. A lot of abandoned homes, abandoned buildings. Things Even that missile like, silos. Yes, I saw that. I'm like, oh. <gasps> 
Yeah, it's scary but fascinating kinda, at the same time. I'd like to go and explore <laughs> a missile silo. I agree. We should do that. Definitely. That should be on I don't our know, list man. I might get things. scared. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> really? Well, you know what it's funny is because um I don't think theory, they're, it's not like they're sound haunted. like it's amazing. No, no, no. But sometimes if have you ever been like overwhelmed by something that's just grand right and big and, and so when you just kind of get close to it it becomes overwhelming right i used to feel that way about um that old abandoned um horse track no oh, sorry yeah horse yeah. track over there that used the to one be in off the west of valley yeah going towards that they just recently knocked California. down i actually um in about 1994 me and i was talking to one of my couple friends and i'm like hey let's go over there it's, it's setting, you know the sun's setting i have always wanted to go to this place see a closer look let's go check it out took off over there um as we're walking closer the thing is so big that it actually um it actually seriously starts to freak me out because it's big it's abandoned all of a sudden it's very um ominous it's very dark you know all of a sudden the sun's going down way faster so halfway to even getting there we actually turn around and left right Talia, on the other hand, her and her friend literally army crawled through about a football field worth of dirt while the police were chasing around another um, pair of teens that were trying to go in there to kind of, because they were curious. She actually got inside, um, took a bunch of pictures uh, in in there of all the stuff she had seen because I had, I had talked about it for so long that she was just more curious and more adventurous than me. I've seen some YouTube videos of people that have gone through there and it looks pretty scary yeah well there was also a famous um, and pretty amazing too because you think like this place never actually opened for business they built it up and they never did anything with it i thought it was open for like i thought it was like nine months that's like an italian no. um family or business no, amount they never came over opened really for business yeah we used to go to uh swap meets there that right. were there for like a second and a half that's crazy and it was supposed to be like state of the art mm-hmm. and everything glamorous and everything like that what is it called i can't remember i don't know why i can't remember either um look it up we'll have to okay okay sorry i didn't mean to go off on no, that tangent, okay. but i'm just like huh uh let me figure out where i was here World War two silos abandoned caves okay so then the next recorded sighting took place on november 15th 1966 it was spotted by two couples from point pleasant Roger and Linda Scarberry, and Stephen Mary Millette. Out of the night in Roger Scarberry's, out for the night Mm -hmm. in Roger Scarberry's black 1957 Chevy Bel Air. They would later later tell police that they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights shown on it they described it as a large flying man with 10 foot wings following their car while they were driving in an area outside of town known as the tnt area which i just mentioned um they reached speeds of 100 miles per hour trying to outrun the creature driving down highway 62 toward point pleasant city limits fuck that yeah oh my god i would seriously freak the fuck out no it gets better Uh, oh my god no No. so when they got to town they tried to convince themselves that it wasn't real and that it was something explainable like a large bird or something so they decided to drive back (laughs) what they drove back back that's insanity that's insane um yeah they drove back 
fucking crazy. <laughs> that's when they spotted it oh again, God, waiting beside so Route 62. It's so it was like it was waiting, waiting for them. <laughs> Kicking back, like, smoking a cigar, be back. like, <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> So they knew now it wasn't a bird. No. Really? That scares the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. That freaks me out. And I tell you why. It's so not. So first of all, I got to go back and apparently watch The Mothman again. But um, remember that movie Jeepers Creepers? Oh my God. I was thinking of that the whole time I was doing this story. Freaked me the fuck out so bad. You watched it? Girl, I seriously could not sleep. Sergio can't even Jeepers, say Jeep. He can, no, 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 stop, creepers. stop, stop doing that. Seriously, stop. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Sergio can't even sing that song without me getting completely freaked out. Yeah, that movie because scared me Because there was no eyes. There was no eyes. Oh my. But anyways. Ah, stop! <laughs> That's one of those sound effects oh, in, no. in movies. That, you know what? It takes a lot. No, actually, it doesn't take a lot to make me <laughs> scared. But that's one of those sounds that really, really gets to me. Oh, you're telling me my stomach's all turning right now. I'm like, no, don't do it. (laughs) Stop. All right. So anyways, that's what it reminded me of. Anyways, go ahead. No, it totally did. Because that's all that came to mind besides Mothman was Jeepers Creepers. So that seems like that's more of a representation of the Mothman that you're talking about, chasing people. Yeah, even like some of the things that it did, like the way it would fly and wrap its wings around oh, itself. No. Yeah, a lot like it. No, no, totally no, that came movie. to mind. Oh, well, I was cool. reading some of the uh, descriptions, except for the red eyes. I don't remember the Jeepers Creepers having. Oh my god! A- don't even mention eyes at the end of that movie. There's no eyes. There's no eyes, Alma. It's just no. Oh no. Hey, Philip, if you're listening, you should probably do a whole show on Jeepers Creepers, Mothman, and anything, any cryptid with wings. No doubt. And he's at my celluloid heart. If anybody wants to listen to that, well, I'm sure everybody wants to listen to that. You know what I mean? Right. So, anyways. Like I said, they convinced was themselves for them? that yeah, it was it was waiting for them on Route sixty two. They knew no, now no. it wasn't a bird, and when the car's headlights landed on it, it swooped up vertically into the air at a great speed and disappeared above the tree line. Oh no! <laughs> I am Mothman. No, stop, Mama, stop! <laughs> Seriously, I want to take off my headphones right now. Stop! <laughs> Not like I am Batman. Oh no, that's so much different. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Same kind of thing, but the way you no. said it is no problem. I'm sorry. I'm like seriously, you're sitting me all uncomfortable, wiggling on my seat, being like, "Stop!" I'm just surprised that you actually watched it. I like I said, I remember watching it and being like, "Eh, Jeepers Creepers in the hand." Fucking yeah. scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that scared me. So yeah, that's what I think about when you're telling the story. To be honest with you. <laughs> All right, so they head back to town, tell their story to the sheriff, okay. uh, Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead, who investigate investigate the area a few hours later, only to find nothing. Okay, so seriously, you know the sheriff and his deputy were like, you guys drink too much. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what they were thinking. <laughs> we're going to go, quote unquote, investigate and yep. see how things are going. You know yeah. that never happened. Yeah, they probably barely did it. Um, they probably like got halfway there and they're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> they headed back to town. I got better things to do. It's fucking Friday night. I got to go save a cat. <laughs> I 
to go drink a beer at the bar, <laughs> the local bar. The next day, they held a press conference, and once the local press printed the story, others started coming forward with their encounters as really? well. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they all come out of the woodworks now. <laughs> all the crazies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, the next morning, young Linda Scarberry experienced a nervous breakdown. Oh, shit. And was rushed to the hospital. Oh, shit. So, it was that fucking scary. Oh, well, yeah, girl. Honestly, I gotta say, like, if, if I'm away getting... home right now and some big bat's chasing me, I'm probably gonna freak the fuck out. <laughs> I already have anxiety problems. I, you would lose me. Right. <laughs> so I'd be like, look at the pretty flowers. <laughs> even Roger Scarberry was quoted as saying, I'm a hard guy to scare, but last night, I was forgetting out of there. <laughs> said bye <laughs> uh, one sighting was by a volunteer fireman who referred to it as a large bird with red eyes that's and that good. seems to be like a common theme the red eyes the red eyes Mm-mm. yeah fuck that no partridge um in a pear a- tree <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i just couldn't help myself i just couldn't help myself <laughs> hold on i haven't drank enough for this I'm saying, girl, I like my mugs. I do like your mugs. This go. beer is fabulous. Isn't it is it? warm. I love this. And it is really good. It's actually I feel better like we warm. should have this every time we do the show. Girl, you can't find this. This is limited edition. Really? Good luck in finding another bottle of that. It's really good. We can no go wonder. We can go to Philly. They have a... Yeah, um, let's go to Philly tomorrow. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. Shit. <laughs> Oh, That's fuck, not I'm close lost. to the Mothman. <laughs> That's not close to Virginia. Wait. No. Oh. Wait. Oh. You're gonna mess up my Philly, aren't you? <laughs> it's kind of close. Should it's on the same coast. All right. Well. All right. But not not that close. Okay. <laughs> As you look at the map, stop. It's a little oh, close. Stop. Don't mess up Philly for me. Okay. I really enjoy visiting there. Okay. All right. So we're back to Noel Partridge. Okay. He was a contractor that claimed. <laughs> <laughs> that when he aimed a flashlight at a creature in a nearby field, its eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors. Oh no. And blamed buzzing noises from his television set on the disappearance of his German shepherd on the creature. So yeah, I was listening to one of the podcasts on this. Okay. Oh my god, I can't even remember the podcast. I want I should have wrote it down. Anyways, they were talking about how he's watching TV and all of a sudden like this strange staticky stuff starts happening and like weird images start like showing up on his TV and he's like, what the fuck? And his dog's barking like crazy outside and he goes out there and that's when he starts shining his light, his flashlight and he sees the creature. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. And then not too long after that, I think the dog dog's name was Bandit. Bandit disappears. <gasps> no, not Bandit. Yeah. That's not good. Poor Bandit. Oh. And Did then, they find him later or they just Well, somebody like claimed they saw like a dead dog on the road. Okay. Like a dog carcass and he he thought that was probably his dog. Yeah. Poor Bandit. Poor Bandit. So not not long after, uh, Marcella Bennett, who is completely unaware of these sightings, was visiting a friend living close to the wildlife area. And she drove her car to her friend's house and then left her car to walk to the house. But she was confronted by a large gray human-like creature that had giant wings and glowing red eyes. She was so terrified that according to her, she dropped her daughter and fell on top of her to protect her from this creature. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, she dropped her daughter and ran. I'm like, no. (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) 
No, she shielded her daughter. She was a good mama. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're on your own now. <laughs> You're five, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's too bad if you're two. <laughs> I know, she fell on top of her to protect her from the creature. She was in that position for several minutes and then looked into the glowing eyes of the Mothman and gathered some courage to run away inside the house. Wow. Goddamn. For the next year, there would be about 100 sightings. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, one of the many strange things to come out of this was that witnesses claim to have been harassed by men in black. Really? Yeah, which is really weird because it's something, it's a phenomenon usually linked uh, to the UFO sightings. Okay. UFO sightings when the men in black show up telling people not to talk about their experience. Or like intimidating. Thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you won't remember this at all. Exactly. Look into the shiny light. Um, the sightings seemed to lead up to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Okay. On December 15th, 1967, 46 people lost their lives that day. Holy shit. And then this gave rise to the legend, like it was the correlation of the timing, um, gave rise to the um, legend that connected the Mothman sighting to the bridge collapse, like he was some harbinger warning them of impending doom. Interesting. And also there was a picture okay. of the Mothman that somebody supposedly caught on the bridge. Really? I want to see for some reason. Is that picture in the movie? No, but it's all over the all over the internet. Okay, so maybe So I'll, I'll just... put it up on the website okay. and you guys can decide for yourselves. Many similar cryptids and creatures have been seen worldwide. The sightings are similar to the Mothman in many ways, including the fact that most of them seem to be heralds of impending disasters. And they all have some of the same features, like the red eyes and the wings. And Really? Yeah. Interestingly enough, okay. none of them look like moths. <laughs> <laughs> so where did the name even come from? Um, I think it came beca- out because Batman was out at the time. Okay. Um, so they decided to call it Mothman. Mothman? Yeah. Because of the wings, <laughs> I guess. I have no idea. Not Birdman. Owlman. It's a bird. It's a plane. <laughs> it's Mothman. It's Mothman. Here it is. Na 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 chance possibly examples of this include a mine in freeburg germany on september 10th 1978 um several years later obviously where a similar humanoid creature scared miners away before a collapse he is known as a freeburg shrieker due to the fact that when they approached the creature let out a sound like 50 people screaming wow that's weird yeah I'm trying to imagine what that sounds like. people around me. Well, it depends. Because if you're at a concert, especially a Black Sabbath concert, people are like, whoa. <laughs> I'm sure it probably sounded more like a banshee. <laughs> it wasn't like, like a shriek. Caca, caca. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, 20 men were apparently saved that day. 21 men. Okay. Then also, there were sightings of such a creature before the Chernobyl meltdown. Really? Yeah. Um, it's called the Blackbird of Chernobyl, and its earliest accounted sighting was early April of 1986. Okay. The meltdown occurred on April 25th, 1986. So, and also, like, interestingly enough, like, I was reading on 
some of these websites that the Soviet government was trying to suppress these stories really? from coming out. Yeah. Interesting. But don't most governments try to try to suppress any sort of stories that's out of the whether UFO or, or something to that effect? Yeah, like the men in black coming yeah. over. Yeah. Flashy thing in you. <laughs> Uh, there's also apparently claims that a similar creature appeared on 9-11. Really? Yeah. You know, 2,996 people perished that day, but 2,606 at the World Trade Center alone. So apparently a few days before that, there were some sightings of a bird-like man creature flying above the Trade Center. Really? Yeah. So I don't know how true that is, but... I thought I'd put it in there. And then also there was the I-35 um, bridge collapse during rush hour on August 1st, 2007 in Minnesota. So another bridge. Okay. In Minnesota where 13 people died and 145 were injured. Um, reports trickled in that the Mothman-like creature was seen near near the bridge. Skeptics dismissed these sightings as a large heron that lives in the area. But Interesting. I think You'd know the difference between a bird... Uh, A herring and a large bat. Right. Moth-ish person. Right. So also Mexico gets into the mix here. Of course. Um, La Junta, Mexico, in the state of Chihuahua. Okay. Chihuahua. Chihuahua. That's where my dad's from. On April 10th, 2009, people started noticing a strange creature. Very tall, hairy, with expansive wings and wide bloodshot eyes. Okay. During this time, there was the beginnings of the 2009 outbreak of the swine flu, so another major event. Oh, wow. And I was um, also listening to that same podcast I was referring to, and I still can't remember the name of. They were talking about a student was literally chased down, kind of the same way as these kids. And, okay. And, and apparently that seems to be like a theme where it like chases cars, it likes to chase cars or people. Um, this guy like described it as big and hairy and red eyes. Do you think hairy, they're thinking actually hairy or do you think maybe they're mistaking feathers for hair? Because it's probably dark I'm assuming or something to that effect? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just guessing at this point. (laughs) I'm like hairy like a bat. Okay. So a description, it is described as bipedal, a winged avian humanoid with owl-like traits despite his name it is not moth-like at all like i was saying coloration varies from black to gray to even brown or white um the height is often reported to be about seven feet tall and the wingspan about 10 to 15 feet holy shit can you imagine no (laughs) i was thinking about this mexican guy because you know like la lechuza is not a good thing for mexicans to see right i was thinking that same thing (laughs) i was like that's a bad omen yes but i've actually seen one flying towards our car one night actually we were leaving your house okay um, no. Yeah, that's not that's not a pretty thing to see. No, no, no. Pretty freaky. Mm-hmm. And have you ever seen one without all the fur, without all the feathers? No. I saw like it probably was like on Facebook or something. Okay. They were in a barn, and these people. I think it was like India or Malaysia or something like that. And these okay. People like find it. It was a barn or a cave, and these people find there's like four of them. Like they look like aliens. They don't really? have any feathers. They were probably really young, but they look like. They were the freakiest fucking things oh, I've no. ever I'm seen. I'm gonna have to look that up now. <laughs> yeah, these people were like, "What are you?" <laughs> <laughs> They're offering them. Yeah, they were like, 
pretty much making offerings to these things. <laughs> like talking to, they thought they were like aliens or gods or something. That's odd. Yeah, That's, it was wow. it was bizarre. I've never seen an owl without its feathers. But that just sounds crazy because their eyes are huge and so I can't imagine if they have no feathers how awkward that would right. be. And and they almost like the way they stand is almost humanoid. Yeah. Except they're kind of peering over, like looking yeah. down at you. Mm, yeah, no I might even put a picture of that on the website. All right, so, do it, do it, um, do it. By the time it. this comes out, you guys can go have an check out our website and <laughs> see the pictures if you haven't already seen them. At times, he's described as not having a head, with two large glowing red eyes set in his chest. Oh no! Yeah, that's oh, weird. Oh no! <laughs> And there's another really weird picture that somebody supposedly caught in front of his car. Okay. And I'll put I'll definitely put that one on the website and See, I just you guys find, can be the judge whether this is real. I just find it odd like not. I mean is this stuff I mean I know there's things happening just not that long ago but I mean with today um, with a camera literally being at your hands at all time I'm kind of curious to see if there's pictures of something or if that if there's pictures of things being taken now compared to 10 years ago am i getting to that are you getting to that no i don't know how long ago that picture was taken okay but yeah okay. it's a pretty freaky picture you have to check it out All right. or not i will okay okay and apparently he has the ability to fly over 100 miles per hour oh thanks no yeah. thank you again remind me of that jeepers creepers freaking me the up fuck out f the hell out of that did you watch yeah. both of them no. One and two? Girl, I watched the one the one time and you sort of was like, it's on. I'm like, turn that shit off. Turn that shit off. I would like run out of the room, hands over my ears, screaming like, stop, stop. Turn it off. Turn it off. Like, it seriously freaked me out. Yeah. And it lets out a pretty weird shriek, too. I wonder if, like, they got that from that story. I, it almost sounds like it. Like I said, it almost feels like that's more of a represent, representation compared to the Mothman. Yeah. That's a, that that movie. No, Alma, don't do that! <laughs> I just like the reaction. You oh, should see God. her face right I'm now. I'm like goosebumps. I'm like, stop! Stop! Alright, anyone that gets close to him suffers from extreme fear and psychological distress, lasting sometimes for months or years afterwards. So some major fucking PTSD. Yeah. But, um, like, that guy in Mexico that was running away, he okay. said that he, he felt that sense of dread and just, like, despair. Really? Almost kind of like, I think we kind of went over that with the skinwalkers. Yeah. So kind of the they gave same. gave that feeling yeah. kind of being around their presence or whatever. Yeah. Another weird trait is that he can fold his wings and walk with weird shuffle like a penguin. <laughs> side to side, girl. Oh, oh I yeah. know you guys can't see, but I'm actually dancing with her. Yeah, she is. I wish I had this on video right now. We should videotape one of our oh, sessions. Oh, God, no. We can put that on Patreon. Uh, when he flies, he unfolds his wings and can take off with great speed. And it seems from the stories of encounters, he enjoys chasing cars, like I was saying before. That's not um, some of the explanations and theories have been put forward to explain the mythical creature, Mothman, from being an alien to a mutant sandhill crane to a barn owl. Really? Yeah. And a the sandhill crane? The hell? I have no idea what those even look like. 
The mutant crane theory comes from t- the TNT munitions factory because okay. near the, the area, there's those underground tunnels that I was telling you about and bunkers, and they're thought to be leaking toxic waste into the nearby wildlife preserve. Okay. So they think that the Mothman might be uh, a mutated sandhill crane. Interesting. Or a similar creature. See, I was kind of thinking maybe because it was an old, um, you know, a World War II site. Two, right? Or one. Okay. Um, that maybe there were certain things that they were developing that maybe just didn't make it past a certain point and somebody found it and was using it to kind of scare a few people. Like some experimentation? Secret. Secret. Ew. <laughs> Ew. The worst shit has happened. Wow. <laughs> I believe you. Even John Keel, the author of the Mothman Prophecies and okay. a famous UFOologist, uh, thought some of the sightings might have been owls because people were hyped up about the hysteria over the initial sightings. Okay. Still, others believe that the creature is some sort of prophetic creature, a harbinger of some sort that was fueled by the Silver Bridge collapse. Others who have ventured into the munitions plant today have ear experiences that bend more towards the paranormal or a haunting. Also, (laughs) Um, there's the Thunderbird. So there's like some sort of correlation out there. Um, I didn't write that down on here, but there's another cryptid called the Thunderbird. And it's okay. like comes from Indian legends of a creature, winged creature. Which you see quite a bit. Yeah. And basically um, Native American tribes in that area speak of the Thunderbird creature. So and there's now a that you're kind of be- saying that is that that's a very large winged creature. So do you think maybe they're one and the same? Who knows? Who knows? Hey, Could you be. know what? They were here a lot. Native Americans are here a long time. They've seen a lot of, a lot, a lot of crazy things. So it kind of makes you wonder if it's something even prehistoric, right? Old that comes out only in certain times. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, because things are being discovered all the time. Right. I was also hearing, you know, like at one time, apes were cryptids. Like, until people finally saw them, you know, like, yeah. more than 100 years ago. So, who knows? Well, I can imagine what the world, well, maybe not 100 years ago, but what the world not completely being discovered. Even now, it's not complete. There's certain parts of the world that haven't been discovered. So, back then, when there was less means of travel, I can just see how a lot of things would still be more mysterious until you actually got into the middle of, of Africa and being able to see some of these creatures that people have never seen before. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Like, we were talking about the Sasquatch... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Duck. Duck, run. Despite the debate whether this is real or not, the town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, has embraced their legend. And the town attracts thousands of visitors every year. They even have a Mothman Festival on the third weekend every September. There's also a 12-foot metallic statue of the creature. I was just going to say that same thing I was going to ask you. I thought that I heard that there was, wow, heard that there was a statue of the creature. Yeah. Interesting. There is. That's yeah. crazy. I'll, I'll put that up on the website, right. too. Yeah, it's 12 feet. Um, and there's also a Mothman Museum and Research Center. Really? Yeah. So even though there's a lack of scientific evidence, many believe it exists because of the large number of sightings and first-hand accounts. Oh, wow. So that's my story. Yay! Short but sweet. Short but sweet. I hate Jeepers Creepers. I'm just saying. (laughs) That's what it reminds me of in all honesty. Oh, God. You're going to show me a picture, aren't you? (laughs) Oh, actually, I have a picture of the statue. Oh, I was going to say that you're going to show me a picture of the... um, There's a there's a picture. I didn't get the other pictures I wanted on there. But wow. there's the picture of the one they took of the bridge. That's that's a trip. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah. 
That freaks me out. I don't want to go to West Virginia now. <laughs> Why not? Let's go. I'm sure they have um, great whiskey out there. And wine. And, well, yeah. well, more whiskey than wine. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, sure. Whatever your little heart desires. So anyways, that's our... That's our stories That's our for tonight. For we don't have any listener stories, sadly, but it's okay. We've all, almost hit the two-hour mark. <laughs> Maybe Sounds I can about edit, right. this, edit this down to uh, an hour 45. But. Uh, it's, fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's information. People listen to it right. if they find it interesting, so we're right. good. Do you have anything else? No, I don't think I do. I actually had thought of a story like half way between what we're talking about, but it doesn't even matter, so I totally like in one in... in and then out of my head. So. It's hard when we record on Thursday. It is. You know why? It's the end of the week. We're a little bit tired. Mondays we're right. a little bit more refreshed. But um, yeah, not even a not even a monster could help me today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like I had a energy drink. I had a rock star, and then I had some beer, and I'm still. But that beer was good though. It was. It was delicious beer. Delicious. I don't know when we'll be able to have it again, but I thought I'd share it with ya. All right, guys. That's our show for tonight. Thank you guys if you've made it this far. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Thank check you for all the feedback on, you're giving us. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook and send us some stories. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, and if you want to uh, see what we're drinking, you can find it on our Instagram and our Facebook. And that's pretty much it. Good night. Good night, everyone. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Pesqueda, artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.